Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. Excited to chat with you today about some of the things I've been thinking about. This is a solo episode and for those of you who are new, first off, welcome. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. In solo episodes, I talk about the things that I'm learning, things that I'm like, why are we not taught this shit? And I think that about a lot of things. Uh, everything that we essentially need to know to live a thriving life is not talk, taught in school. And I remember once I said, like, uh, I wrote an article about that fact that we're not taught it in school. And I put, like, a, like when's the last time you used the Pythagorean theorem, like, a squared plus b squared equals who gives a fuck? And a mathematician wrote me how actually that formula and mathematics have everything to do with our lives. And of course, that's true. And I appreciated that. But you know, you kind of want to play with this. Like, when's the last time you used sine, cos, and tan? Like, you know what I mean? We get taught so many things that we're still operating in an education system. And this is not an insult to teachers. I love teachers. Teachers do incredible work. It's the education system that is still preparing us for industry, you know, to work in corporations and and be cogs in a wheel. You know, I remember a line from Francis Weller's Alchemy of Initiation, which is such an incredible, I can't recommend his work enough, uh, where he says, like, there's no quicker way to deplete the soul than to do the same thing every day from nine to five. And I so agree with that. You know, and there's obviously the necessities to live, right? To to earn a living, which is an interesting thing that we say earn a living, that we have to earn a living as opposed to just live, like the language that we use. But with that said, you know, I recognize that we need to do work in order to pay for things in order to survive. And it's so fascinating that we abandoned what was a relationship with the land, a relationship with the earth that didn't require that. You were in synergy with it. You were in communion with the planet and your community. And isn't it so crazy that in the search for more and more and more and more luxury and more everything, we have let go of what was so simple and free, that we survived on the land. The land gave us the food and we gave back to the land. And I love these conversations that are occurring Uh, There's a recent documentary I just watched. I can't remember the name of it, but it was on biodiversity and using the cycles of how all the things on the planet work together in order to create this beautiful experience, this miracle that we have. And I think we often don't take the time to just sit in the gratitude and in just the observation, the miraculous of being like, holy fuck. Can you believe that trees do all these things? Can you believe that bees do all these? Can you believe all of this? That that if insects died, the planet would be done. But if humans died, the planet would thrive. Like you think about that. You know, it makes me think a lot about like before I sort of woke up and and. Um, you know, I define that as like, start thinking about how you think, start thinking about why you do what you do. Before I did that, I never 
thought about. Like, why am I making the choice I'm making? Why am I choosing the career I'm choosing? Why do I want what I want? Do I want it or was I taught to want it? Why do I make choices that hurt me or hurt others? Why? Why would we be so disconnected, so on autopilot in the day-to-day interactions of our life? But it doesn't have to be that way, right? And I, and I think of that, like that's where rock bottoms, that's where relationships offer us so much opportunity. That is, it is, it is in the pain of them. It is in the conflict that we are invited to resolution, that we are invited to love, that we are invited to connection, that we are invited to heal. Because at some point, someone in our family tree has to wake the fuck up and go, enough with the survival strategies, enough with the aggression, enough with the running away from everything that's hard, enough with the sabotaging anything that's good in life, enough of all these ways that we hold ourselves back from being connected to ourselves. You know? It takes a lot to sit and be patient and feel and to not grab a drink, to not do a drug, to not swipe, to not double tap a like, to not check our phone, to not, 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 to not. To be in the space that is created by stillness. And I say this to you as someone who has been eternally terrified of stillness. Up until the moment that the universe says, here's a cosmic two by four to your head, Mark, you are going to be struck into a space that you will not be able to move. So you must be still. You must pay attention. You must listen. You must feel. And you know, I think about that being what was so terrifying about that. And this is going to sound maybe weird. Is that what I was afraid to find was myself. I was afraid to find me in there. That's all you find in the stillness is just more of you. And I remember hearing Ganga Ji say that, a spiritual teacher, that silence is who you are. So simple, right? It's so profound. Silence is who you are. So recently I was listening to more of Francis Weller's work called Living a Soulful Life. And I'm going to have, as you know, I, I've been wanting him on the podcast for a while and he's agreed to come on. So I'm so excited to bring his wisdom to you. Uh, but some of the things that I've been learning in this audio series that I'm listening to is one thing that he said that really resonated with me was that the soul moves at a geologic speed. And that was something that one of his mentors said to him, that the soul doesn't like the clock. And that resonated for me because I can feel that, that the soul is like a sloth, you know? It's like a old guy or woman or, or whatever. It's, but it is, it moves slowly. And he expressed that this is like the indigenous rhythms of the soul. And that's, you know, I, I, I keep coming back to this like connection to the earth, the circadian rhythm to, uh, how light rises and falls, how seasons come and go, right? And you can feel yourself when you're in synchronicity with that. That's when you're in synchronicity with your integrity, with how you know you want to live, with who you want to be, with how you want to relate, where you'll no longer be taken down by the 
suboptimal forms of behavior, be invited into a dance that is no longer yours, to go to an old behavior that is now recognized and consciously destructive, even in the most minute way, that if it does not fill you up, if it does not bring you closer to yourself, to God, to whatever your soul, then it is not for you. I got to tell you that there is a darkness that's in that. And I say a darkness because it's a place we don't like to go, which is in the minutia of the mundane. It's in the spaces that we uh, don't want to go to. It's the reasons we reach outside of ourselves. It's the reason we abandon ourselves. It's, but what's interesting, and, and I'm going to express it the way that, I'm going to do my best to express it the way that Francis Weller expressed it, is that we are dominated by a resurrection and ascension culture, that it's about rising, it's about going towards the light. What rises is good, what descends is bad. But you think what grief does, grief, you know, demands you descend. Sadness demands you descend. And it is these feelings that allow us to experience elation, joy. They, the contrast is required for one to know the other. Without you, there's no me, you know? And so there's a misconception that we need to destroy our hurt, to abolish our pain, where those are the very places where the soul resides. I love that. There couldn't be anything more true. And this is why when people tell me they're going through relational struggles or a breakup or conflict, I'm like, I'm sorry to hear that. And good, let's do this. Let's go in there. That's where you find the parts of yourself, the parts that have been fragmented. Because if old shit wasn't coming up, we'd be able to navigate all conflict healthily in a healthy way, right? There'd be no reason that if two people were not living in their past, they should be able to navigate conflict in a healthy way. Which doesn't mean you're void of frustration or hurt or anger. It means that you take in that information and you choose how it's going to influence how you show up. What is that information inviting from you to you? You know, there's this line in, in uh, Living a Soulful Life where he says that it, it seems as though soul wants to keep us near fragility and mortality, that we're always dancing on the edges of this. And I, I, I feel that. If you're paying attention, you feel that. If you feel it during these times especially, you know. And he said that the psyche is not able to hold the news. The news is too much for the psyche. And it makes me think of a line from The Social Dilemma where it said the human system is not meant to deal with the opinion of 10,000 people, let alone, fuck, a million people or 10 million or 50 million. You know, and he said that the invitation, it seems, is to find something of the sacred at the heart of our inferiority. Mm. The invitation, it seems, is to find something of the sacred at the heart of our inferiority. Do you feel that? Because I fucking, I feel that shit. That it is in the space of humility that we build bridges. It is in the space of acknowledging our fragility, not in a way that says I'm weak, but says I'm human. 
that we find what's sacred. And I love that. And I, you know, I, I hope as you listen to this, you're invited into the spaces that you've left behind, into the younger versions of yourself, into the dark spaces of conflict um, that that you are afraid to navigate, to dance in. And again, everything I'm saying is excluding spaces of abuse, manipulation, anything like that. You must leave those immediately. I'm saying when there are two people in conflict, like humans experience because you have two souls trying to navigate this life and not lose themselves and also gain each other. It's a really interesting dance. How do I be with you and be me? How do I be in relationship to anyone and be me? How do I hold on to what matters to me when what matters to me bumps up against what matters to you? This is the dance of life. This is the invitation of life. And what we often do is we just abandon ourselves and lose it all and we just sink into love. We call that, oh, elation and oh, I'm just so in love. But we've lost ourselves and sometimes it takes decades to recognize that. And you might be recognizing that right now. And that's okay. Because what a beautiful invitation that is back to yourself. And the other thing we do is we, we make life about me all about me. I'm independent. I don't need anybody. And we also don't play in the space of me and other. We don't allow love in. We don't allow love out. Unless it's under the most strict terms. We decide the rules of engagement. It might only be intimacy. It might only be emotion. So we might dance only in the physical because we can control the depth of that. I will never allow myself to be lost again, so I'll hold on tight to the last place I can still hold on to me. I will not go beyond that in terms of depth and connection because Jesus, what's beyond that? I lose myself when I go beyond that. But what we don't realize is we're always there, that we have to build boundaries around self as we open. We have to curate what we allow. It's not about being closed off or being totally open. It's about choosing what you're open to. It's about saying, this is the standard to which I allow in my life. This is the standard of behavior I allow for you, but it's a, a must in terms of the standard behavior I allow in myself. And so I invite you, as you consume this, to explore your world, to dance in the places you've forgotten about, to go into the spaces of yourself that you've left behind, that you know where your soul resides, to be present to the ever glacial speed that we need to be moving at, the speed of the soul, to slow down, take a breath. <sighs> There's so much here in each moment if we take the time, you know, I found when I, I really learned how to step more into stillness, more into calm, more into just moving slowly, that one second all of a sudden felt like three. And when you're present, time actually doesn't move that fast. It's when we're rushing to be things, to do things, to achieve things that we forget that we're here already. You know, we're like 
constantly searching for a home instead of being the home that's on an adventure. Sending you so much love. I hope you have a beautiful week.